Amen. If you turn your Bibles, please, to the book of Luke, the book of Luke, chapter 21, uh, chapter uh, 3, uh, starting with verse number 21 uh, this morning. I would, uh, I'm going to share, uh, I'm going to reward y'all for getting out in the mud and the cold this morning because I'm going to share a, uh, a story that I don't believe are, are a thing that I don't think I've ever talked about to anyone or are certainly not in public before, but I'm going to share with you this morning a semi-dating story I had from uh, a long, long time ago, actually. Uh, uh, me and this girl we went down to uh, to New Orleans, and uh, we went to uh, to Jazzland. And to just see how long ago this was, we went to Jazzland because there was a uh, a singer there that was going to be performing that we all uh, wanted to see. And so we go down there to uh, to New Orleans. Of course, before we go to uh, to the park, we go uh, we go somewhere and uh, and we eat. And of course, uh, we were both Baptists, so after we eat, we went to Cafe Du Monde to eat some more. Uh, to get our dessert. Of course, you, you know, you're down in New Orleans, got to go to Cafe Du Monde and get the beignets. And so there we are at Cafe Du Monde, and we uh, uh, getting our beignets and uh, eating our beignets and drinking our, our, uh, our Cokes and our coffees and things like that. And all of a sudden, she says, look at that. And all of a sudden, going through Cafe Du Monde was the artist that we came to see perform. And she just uh, freaked out because she wanted to go up there and, uh, and meet him. So she gets up there from the beignets, and buddy, she just grabs her, uh, her purse, and she grabs her camera, and she's going to go off there to meet him. And I just stood there and sat there because uh, I wasn't going to leave my beignets. And I didn't really care so much about him meeting him because I know if I get up from that table, those people come clean off them tables, and my beignets would just be gone. So I just sat there and ate my beignets and her beignets when she went over there and got her picture took because I really didn't care to get that picture took. Well, anyway, the evening goes along and we get to, uh, to Jazzland. Of course, the Jazzland, this was uh, back when it, uh, after it had turned into a, uh, a Six Flags. And you know, at the Six Flags, they all have the Looney Tunes characters. And so we walk in there, the Looney Tunes characters, and all of a sudden I look over there and I see Bugs Bunny and Yosemite Sam. And I go, hey, look, there's Bugs Bunny and Yosemite Sam. Let's go get a picture. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. There are some people that we really, we really care about seeing. I really care about getting to know. I really even caring about talk, talking about. And there's really some people that we really don't care about at all. We don't give them no attention whatsoever because we don't care about what they do or we don't really care about getting to know them or anything just like that. Scripture talks today about the unveiling of Jesus. And you think that there are some people, uh, as we read through the New Testament, as we'll continue to read through the book of Luke, that uh, really drew close to Jesus because they wanted to get them to, to know him and they wanted to know him more and then they wanted to follow him. And then there was those who rejected him. And what made the difference between those who wanted to follow him and want to get to know him and those who rejected him and walked away from him is, that the, is the distinction between those who knew and accepted who he truly was and those who didn't. And so this morning we get, John gives us that first revelation, their first glimpse of who Jesus truly is. And as we read these scriptures this morning, and we think about the person of Jesus, we ask our hearts and our minds and to our very soul, is this someone who I want to get to know more? 
I pray it is that you do. So let's read uh, the, uh, the book of Luke, chapter 3, beginning with verse number 21. We're just going to read through verse number 23 uh, this morning. It says, Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized was, and was praying, and the heavens opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Jesus, uh, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years old, being the son, as it was supposed, of Joseph, the son of Hillel. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, just thank you so much, Lord, for the day that you've given us. Lord, and the opportunity, Lord, that we just have to come, Lord, as the body of Christ, Lord, here, and just sit together, Lord, and just open up your word. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that as we speak on these words, Lord, for the next few minutes, Lord, that you will just open up our hearts. Lord, that you'll speak to each and every one of us. Lord, and through your Holy Spirit, show us, Lord, that you are real. Lord, and that you are there. And Lord, you desire to know and have a relationship with each and every one of us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. John, in his message we read last week, was talking about the coming of Jesus. And that's what his whole message, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is coming, that it was near. And then he talked about this Jesus. And I could just only imagine what was going through their minds as they were thinking about the coming Messiah. And I'm sure they thought in their minds and they had images about what they thought that Jesus may be like, what he may look like. Much as when we read scriptures, you know, and we read scriptures about heaven and what that would be like and Jesus' second coming and what that would be like. And our minds just wondering and and picture what that might be. And, And sometimes our views and our images of those things are distorted by what we know now. And we can't see really anything about what we know now. And sometimes that distorts our vision of heaven or our vision of Christ, our vision of, uh, of his coming, or our vision of what would it be like to be with him for eternity. And I'm sure that just like them, their visions in their minds may have distorted because they really couldn't see Jesus for who he very was. But then all of a sudden, as John was there baptizing, here comes Jesus. And the world gets to see for the first time Jesus being proclaimed as the Messiah. What must they have to thought about him? What must they have seen when they looked at him? What kind of visions were going through their minds? Were they thinking about visions of overthrowing the government? Were they thinking about the visions of restoring the kingdom? Were they thinking about visions of... Uh, uh, of healing? Were they thinking about visions of prosperity? Were they thinking about visions of peace? What was going through their mind? But then Luke tells us and gives us the glimpse of who Jesus was. And the first thing that Jesus, uh, the first thing that uh, Luke tells us about Jesus in this scripture is that he was one of us that he was one of us. Look at verse number 21. It says, Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying. And so here we see Jesus as one of us. What does that mean? Is that he was a human, just like us. He was presented in this form as flesh and blood, just like us. 
And if he were out yesterday in that cold rain, it would have been cold and it would have been muddy and it would have been disgusting just for Jesus as it was for us. And if you slept in early this morning because you were tired and you didn't have time to eat the breakfast because, you know, you uh, got in for church. And if Jesus had done the same thing, he'd be sitting here this morning saying, I hope that preacher hurries up and gets through so we can go eat because I'm hungry. He felt the same pains that we did. He felt the same temptations that we did. He hungered. He thirsted. He was just like one of us so that he would be able to relate to us. Because not was he just one of us in the sense that he was flesh and blood just like us, but yet he identified with us. You know, there are some people who are flesh and blood just like you and me. You know, they breathe, they hurt, they cry just like you and me. But sometimes some people are just so haughty. They're just so far above us that they just really don't relate to you and me, do they? They don't want to talk to us. They're too good for us. They're too rich for us. You know, we're too common. We're too loud. We too country. We too all of those things. And some people just don't want to associate with us. Or some people just don't want to associate with you. Even though they're flesh and blood, just like you and me, they want to keep their distance, but Jesus identified with us. Even though that he was God come down here in fleshly form, even though that he was a king, even though he was a great priest, even though he was imperfect in every way, he identified with us. In other words, he walked through life just like you and I did. He faced temptations just like you and I did. And that's why the book of Hebrews is able to declare to us in chapter 4 is that say that this, that we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us, but one who in every way, in every respect, was attempted just like you and I were, yet without sin. Jesus knows what it's like to face temptation, the temptation of greed, the temptation of lust, the feelings of anger and rage that rush through our bodies when people hurt us. All the things that we feel and all the temptations that we face, he faced them just like us. And so he is able to relate to us. He came down here in human form to walk among us and live a life just like we do. And so when you pray to Jesus at night, you're not praying to someone who doesn't understand, but you're praying to someone who has been through life just like you have, yet without sin. And isn't it something that Jesus would come down here and that he would humble himself? Just imagine how it would be. It takes enough talking for us, for us to come out of this warm house that we had this morning into that cold, dark rain this morning. How much of a hard thing would it be to step out of heaven where people were praising you, where you had no longing, you had no hunger, you experienced no pain, but yet you are just surrounded by angels and the multitudes who praised you constantly to leave all of that 
and to come and walk amongst us, to be rejected, to be scorned, and to be crucified. But Jesus came down, and he was one of us, not only to empathize with us, but also to set an example. He came down to be baptized just like you and me. And so why did Jesus need to be baptized? The book of Matthew talks about it in his account, talks about it more clearly. As John was saying, look, I don't need to baptize you. You need to baptize me. And Jesus said, do this once for me so that righteousness may be fulfilled. And what Jesus was saying is that I'm not coming here to be baptized because I need forgiveness for my sins, but I'm coming to be baptized to set it as an example for you and for everyone else who comes before you, that this is what you do. When you receive Christ Jesus, when you come to the Lord, that you are to be baptized. And so Jesus set this as an example as he lived his life, that he wanted to live his life in such a way that would set the example for how we should live in our lives. And so he came down and he was baptized. And we see him as his humility, as he was putting aside his godly nature to walk among us, that he needed the same things for his ministry that we need for our life. Because what was he doing while he was being baptized? He was there being baptized and he was praying. Jesus knew to have success here upon this world, it needed constant communication with the Father. And if we're going to make it through this life, we need to follow Jesus' example to know that even as he prayed to the Father, day in, day out, praying in public, praying in private, praying in the morning, praying at night, praying when he faced hard times, praying before he ate, that constant communication with God was something that was going to be needed in our lives. And so he needed the prayer. And he set that example for us. But also his life was a need of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because once he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him and was able to strengthen him and to give him what he needed for his ministry. Now, he was God, and he could do all those things on his own. But he put those things aside when he came down here upon this earth. And just like you and I, he relied on the Holy Spirit. And we'll see how the Holy Spirit guided him next week through a trying and temptation time in his heart, in his life. And just like he needed the Holy Spirit in his life, you need the Holy Spirit in your life. And I need the Holy Spirit in my life. Jesus was a man. Jesus was a man just like you and me. He related to us, and he went through the things that we went, but most importantly, he showed us how it is that we are to walk upon this earth in righteousness. We are to experience baptism and the confession that that entails, that we are to rely on our constant communication with God, and that we are dependent And we need the constant empowerment of the Holy Spirit to guide us through life. He was a man. 
but who is also God. Listen to what he says in that next verse. It says, And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and the voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with, with you I am well pleased. Just, just imagine this scene. And notice how visible God makes this. He wants to make it where it can be seen and it can be felt and it can be heard by everyone around us, that everybody knows that this wasn't just another man, but rather this was the Son of God. And we see him communicating in the life of the Trinity here because we see Jesus walking amongst them, and then we see the Holy Spirit around him descending as a dove, and then we hear the Father speaking, affirming his relationship that he is indeed God's Son. He was all human, but yet he was all divine, and he wanted to show us that he was special that he was the chosen one. And so he came and made visible as the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in the form of something that would look like a dove. So everybody would know that he had the Holy Spirit upon him. And he spoke these words that this is my son and whom am I am well pleased to show audibly that he was indeed who he said he was. And everybody that was around was able to hear it. Boy, what an amazing thing that would have been. What a scary thing that would have been to be there to see the Holy Spirit actually descending and to actually hear God talking. He did this again as we think about the transconfiguration where Peter, James, and John got to actually see uh, Moses and Elijah come down and together around Jesus. And they got to see Jesus transformed into his glory to just for a moment to step out of that bodily form for us to see him for for who he truly is and to actually hear the Lord speak and to hear him say, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. And can't you imagine hearing those words from God? To hear him audibly speaking, singing, hey, this is my son in whom, I well, in whom I am well pleased. And to hear him say again, this is my son, listen to him. We may not be able to hear that in an audible voice this morning. But if you listen quietly, if you be still for just a moment, if you can put away your afternoon plans for just a second, and to listen inside of your hearts, you hear the Father speaking and saying, this, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And saying, Jesus, this is my son. Listen to him. And may we all listen to Jesus and to what he says in our life. He came to show us that he was just like us and that he was man but yet he was different with us, that he was God. But we also see that he had a mission. He had an objective. Listen to what we read in verse number 23. It says that Jesus, when he had begun his ministry, was about 30 years of age. 
He was about 30 years of age. In other words, we see in Luke is saying that he is beginning his ministry. He is beginning to do what he was called to do. And it says that he was about 30 years of age. Now, dating people was very, very hard back then because uh, if you think about it, uh, I was born in uh, 1976, September 29th, 1976. But you just think about it. Back then, they didn't have that type of dating. They knew about years, and you could tell one year for another thing, but they didn't have 1976. They didn't have those numberings of years like we did back then. And so you had to tell about things, or you had to tell uh, the age of things or the date in things in relation to other things. And so we know that from a, a certain amount of, of evidence that we have now that we're able to do those datings, that uh, Jesus uh, was born uh, sometime before 4 B.C., because that's when King Herod died. And uh, we have uh, pretty good evidence that uh, he began his ministry around uh, A.D. 28 and 29. So he was around in his early 30s. So did a pretty good job there, Luke. But I just want to think about you, and I want to give you this activity to do. Uh, this evening, while you're gathered around and while you're enjoying your lunch or uh, before you take your nap or watch your football game, tell me what year you were born without using the year, okay? Try that. But anyway, Jesus was beginning his ministry. He had a set objectives to which God had called him to do. He was the Messiah, the one who was predicted. And he had and he knew exactly what was revealed for him to do in the course of his life. And sometimes, you know, that's what we want in our life. We say, God, I wish you would uh, tell me what you want for my life. God, I wish you would tell me specifically what you want me to do. But I think if Jesus told us, if God told us, we wouldn't like it because it probably would scare us. It would probably give us some type of consternation. Or perhaps you would be like John when uh, the Lord revealed to him of what type of death that he would face and what his life would be like, where he said that, uh, hey, you know, you're, when you're young, you know, you got dressed and you just went where you wanted to go. But when you're older, people are going to dress you and they are going to take you where you don't want to go. And Peter said, well, what about this one? How about another story? How about you working me in another way? And Jesus looked at Peter and said to him, hey, you don't worry about everybody else, but you follow me. And the same message is for us today, that just as Jesus had a mission to accomplish here upon this earth, Jesus has objectives for you. And we may not know exactly what they are. We may not know what the future are. But if we listen to the Holy Spirit closely as he guides us daily, we'll see that the Lord has something very specific for each and every one of you in your life. And the greatest feeling of living will come not when you have a bunch of money, not when you have a bunch of friends, not when you live a life that's free from pain and drama and all those things, but the greatest feeling of living will come when you get to experience living in God's will for your life. 
doing what it is that God had created you to be and to do what it is that God had called you to do. And so each morning as we pray, because we learned in the last point that we need to be praying, we pray that God, what is it that you'll have me to do today? So Jesus was a man, but Jesus was also God. Jesus had a specific mission. But we also see that Jesus, Jesus represented all of us. In the next couple of verses, or actually a bunch of verses, uh, Jesus, uh, Luke goes through the uh, genealogy of, uh, of Jesus. And it's very interesting in how much it differs from the other gene- genealogy that, uh, that Matthew gives to us because Matthew had different points. He had different objectives that he wanted to make in giving his genealogy. If we notice in Matthew's genealogy, which I'm sure y'all all read all the time and know everything about, um, he begins with Abraham in his genealogy. And when he gets to David, he proceeds through the names of the kings and he works through the names of the kings and he gets to Joseph there at the end. And what Matthew is, was doing as that being a book that was mainly written to Jews and with its focus being and showing that he was actually the true king, that he was the Messiah and that he was establishing this kingdom of heaven, he wanted to focus on the fact that he had legitimacy, that he actually was related to Abraham and that he was actually a part of that royal lineage that seated all the way down from David, and that he was actually in human form, the actual legitimate heir to the throne of David, and thus to be the king, the one that was promised, the one that would be of David's seed that would one day rule forever and ever and ever. And that's what Matthew wanted us to see. But you'll notice Luke Luke is written to not just Jews, but it's written to Gentiles, and maybe more specifically to Gentiles. And so you look at this genealogy, and this genealogy doesn't start with Abraham and go forward, but yet it starts with Joseph and actually goes backwards. And what he's really saying to here is that uh, as he goes through, he talks about not his royal lineage as he goes through the, uh, the rule of, of David, but actually his birth heritage of who he actually was, the relatives or the uh, direct relatives of. And what he is doing here is to showing that Jesus wasn't just a man of the Jews, but Jesus was for everybody and that Jesus represents everybody. And when he gets to Abraham, he gets, keeps on going and he keeps on going and he keeps on going into the finally he gets to Seth, and to Adam, and even to the beginning of creation. And what Luke is trying to establish for us is that Jesus represents all of us. And when he goes through the temptation, which we will see next week, he stands in and is a replacement for Adam. Remember, Adam and Eve 
They were in the garden, and they faced their time of temptation, and they failed. And because of their failure, all of humanity failed. But then you had Jesus going through the desert. He was the son of God, the son of Adam, the son of God, just like Adam was. And he went through that time of temptation with the devil, but he succeeded. And because he succeeded, and because he represented all of us, he succeeded for us. He did what we could not do. He lived the life that we could not live. And that's why not only do we receive the rewards for His perfect life, just like we receive the judgments for the failures of Adam, but we think of when He went upon that cross. He was on that cross, not being crucified for Himself, but there on the cross being one of us, dying in the place of all of us, representing the punishment for our sins that we deserve. And because He was one of us, His sacrifice stood in our place and that we all receive the benefits of not only His perfect life, but also of His sacrificial death. But then we see on that third day, he rose from the grave. And since he is one of us, when he had the power to overcome death and to be raised up, because he is one of us, we will be raised one day with him. Hallelujah. I'm looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to that day with great anticipation of the one day that we will get to be free from this world. One day where we'll actually get to see Jesus for who He truly is. One day that we'll get to be the people and the creation that God has called us to be. But the only way we get there is if we know Jesus. That we not just know Him as a man, but we know Him as the Son of God, as we know Him as the Messiah who lived the perfect life, and as we know Him as the one who gave His life for our sins. If you know that Jesus, you'll want to know Him more. If you know that Jesus, then you'll want to follow Him. If you know that Jesus, you'll give your life for Him. So I want to ask you this morning, do you know that Jesus? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for all the many things that you've blessed us with. Lord, we just thank you for Jesus, that he lived the life that we couldn't live, that he fought the battles and won the victories that we couldn't fight. And so, Lord, as we're here this morning, maybe we're thinking about our failures, and we're thinking about our shortcomings. We know that there's someone who's lived that perfect life for us. And because of him, we are accepted in your presence. Lord, let's think in our hearts, Lord, do we really know you this morning? And if we really don't, 
then we'll get to know you right here, right now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand and sing.